sing in Jesus' name, and, and especially as we get into the sermon series that we've been talking about, the names of Jesus, understanding what is the power in Jesus' name. And there's so much to that and so many sides of that that we get to look at as we talk about this topic of the names, because there's so many different aspects of what is all in Jesus' name. So I'm excited that we get to do that. Before we get started this morning, I want to make sure that we take just a moment to communicate with you um, and just uh, make some things clear that Journey is a very volunteer-driven church, that we have tons of you that serve each and every week, and I love it because I get to serve alongside of you, and there's no way to grow uh, deeper relationships than working with somebody. Like, you get to know them so well, and it's a joy to be able to serve alongside of so many of you. But we know that each and every week there's there's bits and pieces of services that have to come together, and we ask volunteers to be serving in so many ways, and we heavily rely on our volunteers each and every week. And so we don't want to take away from our volunteers or from the families of our volunteers. And so especially for our Christmas Eve service, we've decided just to simply shift our service times for Christmas Eve. Um, we'll still be worshiping as a church, but just a little bit later in our day. But the service times are going to be at 3 p.m. and at 4.30. And so we'll be doing that as a candlelight communion service so that we all get to worship together, get to celebrate Jesus, and especially we're going to be diving into Scripture to see how um, we see Jesus' birth and we get to celebrate that through that time together. So don't miss those services at uh, 3 o'clock and 4.30 on Christmas Eve. So as we dive into our series of the names of Jesus, maybe ask this question like, What's, what's in a name? Is there something special about a, a name? Well, I, I may have uh, found out that, that you can actually upgrade your name if you'd like to. Um, I know this is a rabbit hole I should not have chased down for maybe longer than I should have too. But for $90, <laughs> I, I can upgrade my name. And you go, well, how do you upgrade a name? You know, it's like whenever I fill out a form, there's always this like prefix suffix, all this extra stuff that I'm like, I leave it blank every time. Like, I want something special to my name to add to it, right? Like, we were naming a family dog once, and we're, you know, like, what do you name your dog? And we got one now, it's like Bear. But we decided to name this dog Manfred Stanley Wright III. That was his full, was he the third? No. No, we just wanted this schnoodle to actually feel like there was something more to him. You know, it's like some sort of like royal lineage or something. But um, for $90, you can upgrade your own name by buying one square foot of land in Scotland, which then gives you the legal right to have the title of lady. I mean, come on, like... All of a sudden, everybody's going, I know my Christmas presents. I know. I'm throwing this out there preemptively, like, you can gift them if you want. But yes, it gives you the legal right to change your name. I, I, I looked into this for way too long. But I'm also such a cheapskate that I'm like, bucks, can I? My wife's going to kill me if she knows I spent 90 bucks to change my name to Lord Adam, right? Like, um. So I sat there far too long, did not make the purchase. But, um, yeah, this company actually sends you documentation to, like, legally have your name changed to Lord or Lady. Um, and somehow I've, I'm like, I, I need to, like, read the Lord of the Rings. I need, there's a whole lot more I need to do to be able to, like, hold this title. Um, 
And it's like, I don't know, there's a lot of different titles you can get. Like, I could study for a long time and get a doctorate, but, I mean, I could spend 90 bucks and get the title of Lord. Um, kind of weighing out my odds. Like, um, not to burst anybody's bubble if you're already thinking about it. Like, I, that's an easy Christmas present. Just to let you know that $90 does come with the title, but it comes with zero power and authority. Like, they make this, they go into a lot of detail on that side of things too. Like, just know, we cannot even point out what square foot of land you purchased. Um, if you, you, they welcome you to come and visit the place and come and see what it's all about. Take pictures if you want. They even show, like, if you buy the one square foot, it puts a picture of a little tree, like, two square foot, it shows you can actually stand on it with your kid on your shoulders, not beside you, on your shoulders. Um, but you can buy different space of land. They, if you come and visit, they say, bring bring stuff to take pictures. You know, if you want to kind of claim your place, if you bring things, it does need to be biodegradable because it's, it's not going to last there. And then they also add, but also take it home with you. Why, why does it matter if it's biodegradable? If I'm bringing it and taking it with me, I don't know. But you can like, stake out your land, take your picture, and then pack up your stuff, take it with you, because it's not actually yours. You have, you have zero legal rights over this land. But it does give you some bragging rights. You can even pass this on to your children. Done. Like, this is a pretty cool thing, but I don't know. I'm way too much of a cheapskate, I guess. But maybe it comes with the idea that that title, it, it doesn't bring any authority, no power. Not, nothing goes with the name. It, it's it's just a name. So when we ask that question, what's in a name? There's a lot of importance that comes with that name. That when we look at this this Christmas season, the names and the titles that are used for Jesus, as we look at this, this he shall be called, there's a lot of meaning. We want to understand what these names are all about. What's the significance of this name that we use for Jesus? Because these names, they carry far more value than just cheap $90 in there's power to the names so, so before we dive into God's word I, I want to take a moment to pray God I thank you uh, for your word that we can hold it that we can study it we can dive into it there's more meaning to it especially as we look at it here God I pray that our hearts and our minds and our understanding would ever be open to follow you shall be called. And this morning, we're going to be looking at that title of Lord of Lords. And this probably isn't a title that, especially at Christmas time, we can think of Emmanuel, Prince of Peace. And there's a lot of names that can kind of come to mind, but normally Lord of Lords may not feel like it falls into this. But even though that may not be the title, we think of him laying in a manger. It's still who he is. It, it's a part of Jesus' character. It doesn't change from the time he's in the manger to the cross or even now still the same person. So we, we may think that this title of Lord, especially after we just realized for 90 bucks, I can have the same title. We may not think it's a big deal, but we'd be way wrong. Because when we actually look at what this, this title of Lord is, it demands power and authority to be granted. So especially like when you look at the Old Testament, there's different ways that this is used. And, and sometimes it's just used as a respectful way of addressing somebody uh, that's in power and authority but it also refers to Lord. We see it used both ways in Genesis 18, 
And this is like when Abraham and Sarah are about to find out that they're going to have children, they're going to have a child, and they're like 80 and 90 years old. It seems ridiculous. And as they hear about this, in verse 12, it says, So Sarah laughs to herself, saying, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I notice that she, she uses this title at the beginning about, you know, she laughs and says, is she going to have a baby? And she's old. But then she goes on to say that, but Abraham is really old, but like in a respectful way, you know, she calls him Lord at the same time. So apparently that softens the blow of calling someone old to address them respectfully. Um, but then you get down to verse 14. The question's asked. Is there anything that's too hard for the Lord? All capital letters, Lord. That this is God Almighty that we're talking about. We're talking about God that has all power and authority. Is anything too difficult for him? And this is meant to be answered with a resounding no. No, there is nothing that's outside of his power. God controls all things and there's nothing that he's not capable of. And that's really to be contrasted against this possibility of Abraham bearing children. So a lot of times the, the word Lord will be put in all capital letters. It's meant to be Yahweh, the name of the Lord, the name that's to be attributed to no one other than God. So the idea behind the name of the Lord is that in one way or another, that Lord is meant to have power and authority associated with it. So whether it's the lowercase or uppercase, it's to be, you have authority over the land and the family, something is that you're in charge of. You have responsibility and authority to make decisions for. But the difference is when we capitalize it, when it's all caps, this is the Lord God. It's to the degree and the realm that you have power and authority. How much are you over? And when we look at God and the Lordship that he has, we understand that this is not just a small little piece of him, a small thing that he has. He has dominion it's easy for us to grasp that or easier to grasp that about God. But as we get to the New Testament and we start to look at Jesus being Lord, that we have this idea that Jesus starts to go around and he starts to teach people. There's moments of controversy as he makes claims about who he is. And it raises some controversy because he's saying that he has authority, that he is God in flesh, but it raises questions, it causes conflict, uprisings, people want to overthrow him because nobody is meant to, to claim that except for God alone. So right away, John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word, and this is to say that Jesus is equated with God. Jesus didn't shy away from also letting people know that he claimed to be God because just later in chapter 10, he says that I and the Father are one. And in verse 38, he says that you are God so that you would know and understand that the Father is in me and I'm also in the Father. Jesus is making this connection for people to, to let them understand that he is God in flesh, come to earth to save us. And that's really what we talked about last week is Jesus as Messiah, this long awaited one that's come to save us. We talked about it being from the right lineage at the right time right design. 
addressing the need for him to do this. That he holds the authority that God has. In Matthew 28, we read the Great Commission often, but right at the beginning of this Great Commission, in verse 18, it says that Jesus came and said to him, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. So then he gives us the command to go, therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And I love the promise that we get at the end when we understand that, that Jesus comes with all power, all authority, and yet at the end he promises that he will never leave us or be an obligation to us. I love that he doesn't just say, I have all the authority. He's with us. So I've remembered him as Emmanuel, God with us in the world. Jesus wants to know that as Lord, he wants us to know that as Lord, he has the authority. And at some point, everyone is going to understand the authority that he holds, that he never left. Philippians 2 goes through to kind of explain this a little bit too, that in verses 8 through 11, it says that, that Jesus was found in human form. And he humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above all names, so that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is a great picture of Jesus humbly coming to earth that's what we celebrate this time of year. We Sometimes we isolate this moment, maybe more than we should. But we remember Jesus coming, his arrival here on earth, but then he lived a perfect life to be crucified for our sins. But then after three days, he rose again to life. And in doing so, he showed his power over sin and death, that there was nothing above him. God exalted him. And you see this beautiful picture of Jesus' power, his authority as Lord. And then one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. So this Lord, if we want the full power and full authority, and especially as we say the Lord of Lords, there is no Lord above him. There, there is no one with more power on earth and no more authority than Jesus. So when we look at the names of Jesus and we, we see him as Lord, next thing that we need to do is what is what is our relationship with him how do we have relationship with jesus as lord of all if he holds all power and all authority how do we answer him so the question i want to ask you is do you surrender to jesus power and authority and i think we can often come to, to times of decisions and, and understanding do we want to follow after jesus and we will ask the question do you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior in your life? And I, I think there's two parts to that question, and it's a great question, and I, I hope that we answer that to be true. But I think when we start to pull apart, do I accept him as my Lord and my Savior? I think it's so much easier for us to grab the part of Savior and say, yes, he's saving me. The Savior that came. This Messiah that we looked at, that, that he came to save us from our sins, to give us the grace that, that we are undeserving of. It's true. It's all true. And it's a that part of it's a really good deal for us, that he came to save us, to take away my sins, to, to pay my price. You know, it's like getting that Christmas.
Christmas present under the tree that we anxiously await this gift that's just been given to us. I think we need to look at the side of that that Jesus is looking for. Because it's quite a bit different story, and it's still fully good. It's still fully needed just as much as Savior. But Jesus is Lord means that we need to surrender our own power, own control of our own life, even free, that we hold. We need to submit that to Jesus. Luke chapter 6, Jesus himself explains this process pretty clearly. Jesus asks, show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Then when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. No one who hears it does not fall. He's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, And as you go back to the car to get in, you pop open the trunk. 
and you're like, here you go, climb in. Jesus gets in the trunk, and you ride around with Jesus in the trunk, and you think everything's great. You kind of, you get to go on about your day. Everything feels normal, and it's like it really doesn't change your life much because he's in the back, and you're not hearing him. But you're really grateful, though, because when you get a flat tire, that's when you go and pop open the trunk, and, and you expect Jesus to pop out and come help you change the tire. Or you have engine problems, and he's, he's supposed to somehow fix the problem. He's there for you in those moments of emergency that you have. And that's how we treat this relationship with him is just leave him in the trunk and be done with his hurts. You know, maybe we get to the point that we realize we could at least let Jesus sit in the back seat, that, that he could at least ride in the car with you. Seems less ridiculous than the trunk. So we let him ride with you. You can have conversation with him. You can have, have those moments with him, but yet he's got enough distance from all the controls He's not going to be changing your radio stations, right? You still get to listen to what you want to listen to. He's not going to be telling you where to turn, like my wife reach over honk the horn or something like that. It's like he's still far enough from the controls that you don't have to worry. Maybe you decide that you get brave enough to let him ride shotgun. You're going to let him ride in the passenger seat with you to maybe even help navigate as you go through some busy places. There's lots of stuff going on, and he helps you to navigate, to know where turns are coming. But ultimately, you still have the controls. You're still the one making the decisions, seeing if you're going to listen to him or not. It's like I ignore my GPS all the time, right? It's always like recalculating or whatever it says, you know, like finding new directions. Like I can still ignore those commands. Like I don't have to listen. And even as Jesus gives me commands from the passenger seat, I can can say, yeah, I, I think I know a better way. I know a shortcut. And I can still take control and do my own thing. The idea of master and Lord is not any idea to me. The idea of what master and Lord looks like is that when I saw Jesus on the cross, I got my life. I talked to him. And I offered him by name. I handed him the keys. It wasn't that I was going to put him anywhere else in the car other than with the keys in front of him. He's the one in full control should be ready to give that control to him, to give him directions, to navigate where he would go, to give him full say and control over my life. I think giving full control over our lives to Jesus is the ideal lordship. Even if we have doubts and don't know where to go or don't know what life's going to look like with him driving us through it, I think the idea is that, that we need to be okay with him giving Jesus the keys to taking control of your life and and willingly listen to his words, but then also to do them. And let me say that I get it, but it's hard to do. It's hard to give control over your life. You can understand that, that we, like when we talk about submitting to authority, that's a hard thing because I think we've all probably seen in many ways where that So because of that, we, we hold on to control because we're not going to give it over again and fall into that same place. So we'd rather hold on to it. Can I please ask you to not attribute the mistakes that may have been to the Holy Spirit? It's not our mistakes. It's not what's happened. Following God as the master of your life doesn't have to be scarred or devastating to the 
faithfully follow his rules and orders and to trust him. We need to understand his character. As we understand his character better, it's easier to continue to follow him. So as we walk through these names of Jesus, I'm asking you to hold fast to the truths that you got from his name. Know his character well. in a name. This name, Lord of Lords, is a part of Jesus' character. It's, it's not even what he's done. It's who he is. There is no, no one else, there is no other landowner, manager of the house, anyone else that can take this title than the Lord of all Lords. There is none other but the Lord. I think we have to learn to trust him, submit to his will, listen to his words, and do what he says. this title, Lord of Lords, cheaply. This, this is way bigger than a $90 online purchase. But this title is given only to God the Father. Who came to earth to save us from our sins. And our response to that is to turn and follow him as Savior. So this morning I encourage you, don't sit on the fence as long as I did about buying a $90 title but instead step out in faith. Understand who God is.